I bring you greetings uh, from your brothers and sisters in uh, Cambodia. And uh, they actually did ask me, some people did ask me to say hello to the churches for me. I really uh, uh, wanted to give their greetings. So I give not only their greetings, but also their thanks for your prayers and for your giving over the years. Uh, because, yeah, you are part of the work there. And uh, you are uh, affecting lives, even if you haven't met the people uh, personally. I will do that. I will do that. For those that know English, I will say hello. For those that don't, I will translate. <laughs> I want to start by asking you a question. Have you ever started a project that you never finished? <laughs> yep, me too. I think most of us can probably say that. We, we all have good intentions when we start. We're going to do this, and we're motivated, and then something happens with our motivation, or there's a big challenge, and, and things just are left unfinished. There are also some projects that you're actually, you started, and you're actually working on, but they feel like they will never be finished. Like, it goes on and on and on and on and on. And, well, we had a project like that in Cambodia. This kind of oh, forever unfinished project that I want to talk to you about a little bit today. But before I do that, I want to give you a little bit of background uh, because I think this is actually the first time I've been at City Light. So maybe you don't know so much about Cambodia. Uh, Cambodia is located in Southeast Asia. It's right next to Vietnam and Thailand and also Laos as well. And it's not a really big country. Um, oh, wow, you even have a map. You're awesome. <laughs> You're awesome. Uh, so uh, for many years, I lived up in the, the west, the northwest border. Uh, but I have in the past uh, couple uh, years, the last term, I've been in Phnom Penh, which is the capital city of Cambodia. Oh, I started to tell you how big it is. It's about one and a half the size of Pennsylvania. So that's how land area-wise and about uh, 17 million people. Uh, the capital city itself is their biggest city, and they have about 2 million people in, in Phnom Penh. And uh, that was quite a <laughs> transition for me growing up in Newville. If anybody knows Newville, it's down 81 past Carlisle, this little burg that has one traffic light of which we are very proud. So moving to the city of 2 million is kind of like, was, yeah, challenging. Uh, but it's but it's good to be there. And the city, you know, it's big already, but it, it continues to grow, and it's not the only city in Cambodia that's growing. In fact, uh, they say that 275 people move into the city every day. So every day there's 275 new people that are moving into the city. And most of the people that are coming into the city are young people coming for university study or they're coming looking for jobs. And they're coming... Uh, disconnected from their family in the countryside, and they're coming feeling like they need a connection and a place to belong, and so they're very open to the gospel. And uh, this is really an exciting opportunity for us in the city. Uh, the problem is not many of these young people that are coming in are getting reached because um, a lot of the churches in Phnom Penh and the CMA churches themselves are older congregations, and they're great churches, but they have not changed the way they do evangelism and outreach. They're doing it the way they did it when the city was smaller. <laughs> and so now it doesn't work. And they aren't reaching the folks that they need. So there's a big need in the city for trained 
workers that know how to reach people in the urban setting. And so uh, I've had the privilege of working uh, in a school that the CMA mission started in partnership with the National Cambodian CMA Church. And it is a school by the name of Antioch Bible Institute. And it sounds like a big name, but it's really not that big of a school. But uh, our goal is to train up young men and women uh, to be disciples of Jesus and to make disciples in the city, in the city setting. And so I've had the privilege and the joy of being a part of that school for the past three years. So that's the background. Let me get to the project, the, the project that is unfinished and can, is a very long unfinished project. Back in uh, 2017, when I returned to Cambodia for my last home assignment, uh, I was a part of this team that was opening the Antioch Bible School, our institute, and uh, we had already gotten the construction project uh, underway before we left. Uh, we expected our residence building, our dormitory, which would house our students and our teachers. We expected it to be finished or mostly finished uh, when I got got back in 2017. But uh, in 2017, can I get the next slide? This is what I came back to. <laughs> yeah, not so much done on our dormitory. <laughs> Definitely not usable. So we had to, of course, rent other facilities. We rented a, a three-story building uh, to house our first students and teachers. And uh, we talked to the builder, and, and you're like, we really need our dormitory, so can you please like get working on this? And then we would really like to move in by next fall or next school year. And, then, and he was like, okay, no problem. One year, not a problem. It'll be done. Well, fall of 2018 rolled around, and next slide. Still unfinished. A <laughs> little bit of the structure there, but yeah, in a year's time, there was not a whole lot that that got finished, and so we're like, ah! So we, of course, rented for another year because totally not livable, and uh, talked to the builder, and he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, no problem, no problem. It will be done for next year. It will be done for your next school year. So fall of 2019 rolls around, and next slide. There's our building. <laughs> a lot, actually, a lot had been accomplished in that year, but it was still unfinished, and... Uh, some parts of it very unfinished. So we were just like, oh, come on. Can we just have our, our building? The, the students and the teachers at this point were, particularly teachers, were quite anxious to get in the building. And so we made the decision that in uh, October of 2019 to move into the building, even though it wasn't done. Um, the teachers, uh, three teacher couples moved in, as, long, as well as our, all of our students at the time. Uh, I wasn't able to move in because my apartment was really unfinished, and I don't think the plumbing was done or something, and so I didn't get to move in with everybody else. But the idea was, we'll move in, and we'll put a little more pressure on the builder to get the building done. And uh, so they all moved in and had to live with the sound of drills and hammering and you know electricity being turned off and all kinds of issues because the building was still unfinished after... <laughs> Three some years. Well, if you haven't guessed yet by your posters on the wall, the uh, oh, actually, that's I don't think I can read those. Some of those. You have other language posters up. That's awesome, but no Cambodian language. 
Yeah. But anyway, uh, you can see from the English versions that our our theme for this year is unfinished. And so this unfinished project seems to fit uh, with the theme. So I thought I'd share a little bit with you about it. Um, but the word, I don't know about you, but for me, the word unfinished kind of makes me a little nervous. I don't like having unfinished projects, like things hanging over my head. It just feels like an extra stress. Uh, so I want to start with a uh, Bible verse that you are familiar with. It's a promise from God's Word that can encourage us about the unfinished work uh, that God is doing. Can I get the next slide? Thank you. It's in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. This is a promise from God that the work that he is doing in us, the work that he is doing in the world, it will be completed. There is a promise for that. Unfortunately, this verse does not promise that all those projects that have not completed will get completed. But the work that God is doing in us and uh, around us and in the world, he promises he will finish it. And I look forward to that day, as I'm sure uh, you guys look forward to that day. But right now, uh, things are still unfinished. And so today, I want to share with you about three unfinished parts of God's work. There are three parts of God's work that are still unfinished. The first part are unfinished journeys, unfinished journeys. Now, there are different types of journeys, but the journey that we're most familiar with is our own personal life journey, our own personal life journey. And I will let you know if you're still breathing that your journey is still unfinished. <laughs> and so you are continuing to move forward in your life. Now, we know our life Journeys are not easy, not always easy. There are good things, and then there are challenging things that happen in everybody's life. But as a Christian, we have an advantage that other people that don't know Jesus don't have. And that's that we can invite Jesus into our life journey, into our journey, into our life. We can allow God to give us direction. We can follow where he's leading us. And as we do that, we become more like Jesus and we are able to face the challenges that, that come uh, just from living in this world because we invite God into this journey uh, with us. And that's the thing I just love about, yeah, being a Christian. You don't have to do your life alone. Like there's always uh, God there, Jesus there to invite into our journeys. And uh, that's for me, that's awesome, especially being the single gal without the you know, built-in partner. <laughs> I do have a built-in partner, and that's Jesus. Now, there's also an unfinished journey for the church, and every church has its own uh, unique unfinished journey. Every church has its areas where it needs to grow and develop, just like your church is looking for a permanent senior pastor. Uh, it's part of your journey, and uh, every church is different. If you look in the book of Acts, you'll see the story of the early church in Jerusalem, and uh, that is a church that we often lift up as a model church, like we look at it and we say, this is how church should be. But sometimes we forget that this model church, which is a really good example for us, we forget that they were also on their own unfinished journey. They also had places where they needed to learn and to grow and develop as, uh, as followers of Jesus. In Acts 15, uh, it talks about how the Jerusalem church, the early church in Jerusalem, was faced with the question of how they were going to integrate uh, the Gentiles who were non-Jews into this mostly Jewish church. And so this was a big issue for them and, and a challenging one. And they wrestled with issues of prejudice. They wrestled with issues of discrimination 
And they wrestle with the issue of salvation by works or by following the law, or is it by grace? So they wrestle with a lot of things, and they had a lot of discussions, which you can read yourself in, in Acts chapter 15. But the really cool thing about uh, the early church and the fact that they are an example for us is that in the wrestling in this part of their journey, they chose to invite God into that journey. And we know that because in Acts 15, verse 28, the beginning of the verse says, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. So they were inviting the Holy Spirit into their discussions, into their journey, into their, uh, their challenges that they were facing. They were inviting the Holy Spirit to lead and to guide them and help them to grow in their understanding of God and their understanding of other people and their understanding of the gospel. And they did grow. And uh, the Apostle Peter summed up uh, what they, part of what they learned and they, they understood more clearly in uh, verse 11 of that chapter when he says, We believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved, just as they are. And so they, they grew in their understanding of the gospel and the fact that God loves these Gentiles just as much as us, and uh, they embraced the Gentiles in the church and they grew spiritually and they grew numerically because they accepted God's leadership in their journey. I want to switch back to the unfinished journey of the Antioch Bible Institute's building uh, because this, this journey uh, was very difficult for us. We had a lot of challenges in the startup of the school, but this was one of the big challenges was our building project. There were so many problems with it. Uh, one of our first <laughs> inklings of there would be a problem was that we discovered that our builder was um, didn't really like our blueprints, and he had his own ideas of how the building should be built and didn't want to follow our blueprints. So there was a lot of butting of heads right from the beginning with our project. We also, throughout the project, had difficulty getting enough construction workers at the site to actually move the project forward. And... Uh, we found out uh, within the first year, one of the reasons we didn't have so many workers was because um, the builder wasn't paying the workers. <laughs> and so we had to get that worked out. So then we finally, we decided we would pay the workers directly instead of giving the money to the builder to pay them because it wasn't getting where it needed to go. So that, that problem was figured out. But the workers in Cambodia on a, on a big construction project like these, this. Most of them uh, will live right on the construction site, so at night they'd be, they be, you know, living there. And most of our workers were not Christians, so they are living the way non-Christians would live. They were drinking and gambling and fighting, and, and I think we had the police there at least once and uh, <laughs> because of the workers fighting. And then we had one of the workers actually die in his sleep overnight, um, and uh, they discovered him in the morning that he had died over in his sleep. And this is a really like big thing for Cambodians because they're very superstitious. And so they immediately are like, okay, this guy died. His ghost is going to haunt this construction site forever now. And so who wants to work at a haunted construction site? And so then we lost a lot of workers over, over that as well. So then we had to go out and find workers who didn't know anything about, about the story. So lots of issues. Uh, towards the, uh, the last part of our project, we discovered that our builder was actually borrowing money from our project to pay for another project that he was working on. And then when we needed it, he could not pay us back. And so he didn't do it like to be mean. He just was a really bad, I don't know what you call it, 
organizer and keeping track of money kind of thing. Um, but uh, meant, it meant that we had to do a little bit more uh, fundraising at the end. It also meant we had to cut a few things from the building that we were planning on. So finally, yes, finally, at the very end of the process, we did end up getting another builder and, and asking uh, someone else to, to finish our project because it was just so difficult. Very stressful. <laughs> I wasn't even on the building committee, and I was, like, stressed out about it. So those of you who have ever been involved in building stuff, like, wow, you need a lot of prayer. <laughs> it's, it's, it's stressful. But, you know, uh, we invited God into that stressful journey. We were praying tons, as you can imagine, and, and maybe some of you were praying as well. I don't know if you've heard of the project before, but uh, we were praying tons. We were listening for God's direction. How do we move this project forward? And we were also listening for God's direction in how do we relate to the people that are connected with this project, like the builder and like the workers and the other people that are involved in it. And God did some things that we didn't expect in the midst of this long, drawn-out project. In the midst of all the difficulties, God actually invited us into the unfinished stories of others. This is the second unfinished. We have our own unfinished journeys, and then God invites us into the unfinished stories of others. God was inviting us not just to think about our own problems with our project, but to join him in what he was doing in the lives of the people around him. Uh, around the around the construction project, and so uh, uh, I wanted to share with you one of these unfinished stories uh, that kind of came out of our long extended uh, construction project, and that's the story of a man by the name of Luc Persa. Thanks, great. Persa is a uh, Buddhist man in his fifties, and he actually heard about Jesus in his younger years. Uh, but he really wasn't interested in, in becoming a Christian. Uh, he, he said that people told him the same thing. They told him that uh, all religions are the same, they're all good, and they all tell you to do good in order to save yourself. And so he, that's how he lived his life, uh, trying to do good. He was a good Buddhist. He went to the temple when he was supposed to. He gave offerings when he's supposed to. He, did, he joined ceremonies when he's supposed to, and he you know, thought he was okay. Then about uh, 16 years ago, Prasad was introduced to the CMA Christian community when one of our international workers asked him to help with uh, some construction project. It started with one project and then <laughs> grew into several projects that he, he did for, uh, for the mission. And uh, can I get the next slide, please? He uh, was hired by this woman whose name is Christine Manfred. Um, and uh, she actually <laughs> does a lot of our big construction projects, which may surprise you that a woman does it, but she does great. She has a good picture in her mind of what she wants and knows how to get there. Uh, so she asked Prasad to actually help us build our mission office, our CMA mission office, which he did. And then he built our CMA guest house in Phnom Penh. And then he built one of the bigger churches, uh, CMA churches in Phnom Penh as well. So over the last 16 years or so, he's done a lot of work with Chris, worked very closely with her. And Chris, of course, has shared Jesus with him, but he, he really didn't have any real response. Uh, but Chris is one of those prayer people, so she prays all the time for other people, but she also prays in the she likes to pray in the situation. So when she'd be working on a building project and come up with a problem, she'd be like, okay, Prasad, we got to pray. <laughs> and so 
he would see her doing that. He would join her. He was very respectful, uh, but uh, he just was not interested. Then in uh, 2000, towards the end of 2017, uh, Prasad was without work. He didn't have any work. He didn't have any construction jobs going on. He, had, he, he needed income to support his family, so he's getting a little worried, and he's like, I just wish that Chris would call me and give me another job. And then he thought about it a little bit, and he's like, well, she always prayed for things. So I'm going to try this praying thing. And so he did. He said he prayed, and he asked that God would give him a job. And lo and behold, Chris called him and asked him to help with our Antioch project, our building. Now, uh, Prasad was not hired as the builder. We already had a builder by this point. Uh, but he was hired uh, as, I call him, the quality control guy, the guy that makes sure everything's built the way it's supposed to with good materials, that kind of stuff. But somebody in one of the churches is a builder and told me you call it a superintendent. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if you guys know that, but that was something new to me. So he was hired as a superintendent. Uh, not an easy job with the builder we had. He's always button heads with him. <laughs> he kind of stood in the way between us with all of our issues with our builder. But uh, so he began to work on our building. And our, our, our dormitory is actually located on a piece of property that has the CMA mission office. And it also has uh, the CMA National Church office located on it as well. It's a pretty big piece of property. And so they're all there together. And so Prasad, he started interacting not just with Chris, as the only Christian in the project, but all these other people. The mission office was there, so he was interacting with other international workers. The, the, the National Church office is there, so he's interacting with tons of Cambodian Christians. And in fact, the national church president lives on the property, and he's had a lot of interaction with him, as well as he goes from the church president, as well as our, you know the guy that guards our property. Uh, he spent a lot of time with him as well. So every day he's getting you know interaction from all these uh, Christians and hearing about Jesus and seeing their lives. And again, he was kind of like, okay, like I'll listen to you, but I'm you know I have anything to do with it. Until the towards the end of 2018, when you could see like that God was starting to work in his heart, uh, he was starting to soften up, and and then uh, probably in November he he started to say things like, "I think I believe, but not 100 <laughs> percent." And so you're like, we're just like praying uh, for him. And finally, uh, on December in December, he had a conversation with a CMA uh, worker from the office, a Cambodian guy from the office, and this is what this young man said to him. He said to Prasad, he said, uh, he says, Uncle, he calls him Uncle, he says, Uncle, you keep saying you believe, you believe, you believe, but you never receive. He said, now, if you're sick and there's a medicine that could cure you, but you just lay on the bed and point to it and say, I believe that medicine will help me, it's not going to do you any good. You have to take the medicine. He says, that is why you need to receive Jesus as your Savior and Lord. Make the decision to follow him. And uh, this conversation that uh, Persah had like really affected him and really pushed him over the line. He's like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make the decision to follow Jesus. So on December 1st of 2018, Prasad gave his life to Christ. Can I get the next slide, please? And Prasad is the guy on your left. Uh, the white guy in the middle is actually our field director, David Manfred. And uh, the Cambodian man on the other side is actually the director of the Antioch Bible Institute. 
Um, but Persa, he became a Christian and immediately wanted to tell everybody. <laughs> so he's telling everybody. I guess within a week or two, the, the mission office had a Christmas party for the staff, and he gave his testimony in, at the Christmas party. And then uh, a few weeks later, he gave his testimony actually at the church in Phnom Penh that he actually built. And I remember he was standing up there and he's like, I built this church, but this is actually the first time I've, I've actually attended the service. And he's up there giving his testimony. But he was not just excited to tell Christians that he, he became a believer in Jesus. He wanted to tell everybody. So he's telling his friends and his neighbors and, of course, his family. Uh, his neighbors, there was a few people, a uh, few of his neighbors that were ill, and he told them about Jesus and he prayed for them and they were healed. Uh, he told some of his friends about Jesus, encouraged them to follow Jesus, and they did. <laughs> and several people gave their lives to Christ. He, of course, was sharing with his family, and he led one, his daughter and uh, one of his sons to faith in Jesus as well. But Prasad's story is still unfinished. Can I get the next slide? He, his wife still has not decided to become a follower of Jesus, and that weighs quite heavily on him as well as one other son. Uh, he has three kids, and so two of his kids are followers of Jesus now, but uh, his wife and his son uh, are still have not decided to follow him. So that is really heavy on him, and he really prays for them and uh, uh, reaches out to them. And you, you can please join praying as well as you think of him to pray for his wife and his son also to come uh, to faith in Jesus. Now, God invited the Antioch Bible School into Prasad's unfinished story uh, because we interacted with him too because he was at the site. And uh, so we also had a part to play in his story. But you guys also had a part as well because I know that many of you give to the Great Commission Fund and we wouldn't be there and the building wouldn't be being built if uh, you guys weren't giving. And I know that you also pray. And so all of those things make you a part of his story as well. And, uh, oh, almost forgot. When, <laughs> when we needed to find another builder for our building project, who do you think we asked? Yeah, Prasa. Can we get the next slide? And uh, Prasa is in this picture there in the middle, and I guess you could figure that out. <laughs> Seeing as the two white people <laughs> and then the Cambodian. But anyway, uh, this picture was taken the day that I left Cambodia on July 1st of this year, before I came uh, back. It was taken in the morning. I was at the, I was walking around just checking things out and ran into Prasad and my field director, and he said, guess what? He said, I did the last little thing I needed to do in the building. It's officially finished. <laughs> so the day I left, the building was finished. <laughs> and next slide. And it's a beautiful building. <laughs> It was a long journey, but it is a beautiful building, and we are very blessed uh, to have it. Now that you know a little bit about the Antioch building project and also a little bit about the school, um, I want to uh, share with you one more unfinished story of one of our first graduates uh, to give you kind of a picture of the kind of thing we're doing at the school and, and like what we want to see uh, God do in the lives of the students. The student that I want to talk to you about, her name is Juntu. And uh, Juntu is a Khmer. She's Cambodian. The main ethnic group in Cambodia is called Khmer. But her family actually lived in Vietnam for quite some time. And uh, they 
uh, her parents decided after the war in Cambodia, when things were getting better in Cambodia, they decided to move back to Cambodia because they figured there would be better options and for their family, better opportunities. And so when they came back to Cambo Cambodia, praise the Lord, they all became believers. Her whole entire family became believers in Jesus. And uh, so that's pretty exciting and pretty rare thing to happen. Um, but they all became followers of Jesus. When Gentu was uh, in her later teens, uh, she went with her family on a visit back to Vietnam to visit her relatives that were still there and their friends. And uh, she came to find out she didn't really remember as much Vietnamese as she thought she did. <laughs> so it was a little hard communicating uh, with some people. But she said she was really struck with one thing on that trip. And that was the fact that her relatives did not know Jesus. And it, it really hit her hard, and, and she just had this desire. I want to tell them about Jesus. But my language, my, my, my Vietnamese language is not very good. And besides that, I don't even know how I would do it. How would I tell them about Jesus? But she came back from that trip with a real burden for her Vietnamese uh, relatives and, and for the Vietnamese people, uh, and really wanting to tell them about Jesus. And so she thought, well... I should go to Bible school to learn how to tell them about Jesus. And so uh, she had a desire to go to Bible school, and she asked her parents. And believe it or not, her Christian parents said no. <laughs> and it sounds kind of funny to us. It probably would sound funny to us Christian parents. Yes, we'd love our kid to go to <laughs> Bible college and, and, and want to know how to follow Jesus and share him uh, with others. But uh, in Cambodia, the culture is a little bit different. And so when individuals are making decisions, it's, it's not necessarily what's best for the individual that is decided. It's what's best for the whole family. And so at that point in time, uh, Jantu had a really good job and was bringing really good income into the family, uh, enough to support her younger brothers and sisters to go to school. And so her parents didn't want to lose that income into the family and said, okay, let's just wait. <laughs> Uh, can you just continue working for a while? She, she was a good, submissive uh, Cambodian girl and continued with her job um, uh, and also began to get involved with her local church, particularly helping with the youth ministry. She loved working with youth and uh, uh, continued to, over the years, every once in a while, she'd ask her, her parents, can I go to Bible school? No, no, not yet. <laughs> can I go to Bible school? No, not yet. Uh, until finally in 2017, the year that we opened the Antioch Bible School, she asked again, and her parents finally agreed. Now, at this point, Chantu was 35 years old. <laughs> so she had waited quite some time <laughs> to go to Bible school. So that made her, like, super eager student. And that's kind of, like, those of you that are teachers, oh, we love those kind of students, right? <laughs> They're just like sponges. They want to learn everything. She's been waiting so long to come. So she was fun to have uh, as, as one of our first students at, at, the, at the school. Can I get the next slide? In her uh, first year uh, at uh, Antioch, she was uh, placed in the Railroad Track Ministry Group. Now, our school, we have classes, but we also have ministry groups where we assign students to go out into the communities to practice what they're learning in the classrooms. And they, go, they don't go out by themselves. The teachers go with them. And so Jantu uh, went on the uh, Railroad Track Ministry Group. It's a community that just grew up alongside the railroad track. Very poor, lots of social issues, drugs, alcohol, uh, violence, domestic violence, child abuse, um, all sorts of, not a, not a good community. Uh, but we went in there and began to build relationships and, and share Jesus. 
And the, the really interesting thing about, well, many of the communities in the city, there are just tons of kids everywhere, tons of kids. And I remember one of the first times we went, John 2, she said to me, she says, I don't like to work with kids. And I'm looking at all these kids, and I'm like, okay, um, well, we'll see what happens. Maybe we'll make some connections with the adults, and you can, you know, do some discipleship and teaching with the adults instead. The problem was the kids in that neighborhood adored her. <laughs> she was the one they would run up to first when we came. They would tell her all the gossip from the neighborhood. They, the girls would always ask her to braid her hair. They absolutely loved her. So, you know, the love of kids slowly changed her heart over time. And so John 2 actually helped us uh, get uh, a kids ministry started right there in that community. And, uh, yeah, so you just have to be careful about the things you say you don't like or you don't want to do. Towards, her, towards the end of uh, her second year at Antioch, our program is only two years, uh, she and um, a few other Antioch students joined with some international workers and a missionary actually from Vietnam as well to form a Vietnamese team with a heart to reach out to the Vietnamese in, in the city of Phnom Penh. And uh, the Vietnamese actually in, in Cambodia are our largest unreached people group. There are 815,000 Vietnamese in Cambodia, and 0.17% are Christian. So very needy group. And uh, they, this group, this team, had been helping with some of the Vietnamese, CMA Vietnamese churches that we had, but they really wanted to go into a new neighborhood, so they did some surveying and they found a neighborhood to go into and this neighborhood very similar to the railroad track uh, community very poor with lots of social issues and tons of kids i get the next slide this is just a picture of one of the streets in the neighborhood that they finally decided that they were going to do outreach in and so they began to visit the Tantu and the team um, just making building relationships getting to know people then in july of 2019 uh, Jun graduated Next slide. She graduated from Antioch, and uh, you see the kids there with her? Those two kids are actually from the railroad track community. They wanted to be there for her graduation. <laughs> so that's how much she's a kid magnet, even though she doesn't like to work with kids. <laughs> but her story is unfinished. So this was July of last year. She graduated. Then in August, she actually made a trip back to Vietnam to visit her relatives again. She wanted to survey around, see if there was a possibility of her doing uh, pioneer mission work in Vietnam. But again, she came back saying, I don't know the language well enough, and I don't know how I would support myself at this point. So she uh, came back and, and started focusing in September on language study, started to, to study the Vietnamese language. And then in October, she finally found a job, and she is a teacher teaching the Khmer language, which is the national language, to Vietnamese kids in a Vietnamese elementary school. So here's the girl who doesn't like kids teaching first graders. <laughs> and uh, she loves it. I, I, I remember when she first got the job, she just kept sending pictures on Messenger. Look how cute they are. <laughs> and so uh, she's definitely full head-on kid. And, uh, yep, and the, fall, uh, the end of October of last year, she actually, with the help of the team, moved into the community that they're outreaching to. And so the building in the middle is the house she's, uh, she's renting. And, of course, the kids showed up first thing 
and they hang out at her house a lot. She says sometimes she just gets really tired and wants to kick them out, but she thinks about, you know, what kind of home situations they have, and she usually leaves them stay a little bit longer than she should. So, of course, her, her relationships uh, deepened once she moved into the community. And the neighbors there, it's really amazing. It's a Vietnamese community, and she's a Khmer woman. And in, in Cambodia, they don't always get along. But this community has really embraced her <laughs> uh, to the point that, her, that she had to go out and buy a small refrigerator. Most, most pe There's a lot of people in Cambodia that don't have refrigerators, believe it or not. They go to the market every morning to get their food. But she, she was forced to go get a small refrigerator to put all the food that her neighbors were bringing her. They were bringing her so much food because they would see her coming home late from school and they didn't want to have to, her to worry about making food. So they'd just bring her all this food. And uh, she actually had so much she had to give some away to other people. Um, but that's how much she was embraced. When uh, COVID hit, of course, everything shut down. <laughs> school shut down, so she didn't... Uh, she didn't have a job. She started to sell uh, fruit out of her house, and that it was amazing. She would buy a whole bunch of fruit and then sell it for a profit, and it would be gone. It would be gone uh, before the evening. Uh, God really uh, uh, provided for her in that way. During the, during the shutdown, she had a lot of extra time on her hands, and, and that actually was good because she made more connections in the community. There was an elderly uh, lady in the community that, that died and of uh, COVID-like symptoms. They had, she had COVID-like symptoms. Note, there's not very much testing in Cambodia, so couldn't say for sure that's what it was, but it was most likely. And so, um, you know, she said the neighbor, everybody was afraid. Everybody's afraid to help this family with the funeral and stuff, but uh, Tu was free, and so she went. She put her mask on and she went to support the family and to encourage them. When the police came to arrest some drug gang members in the community, Jantu was there to support and encourage the families of these guys that, that got arrested. And uh, there was one night um, that uh, she told me that she was she had locked up the house already and she heard outside her house uh, two thieves talking about how they were going to break in to her neighbor's house and steal their neighbor's moto. <laughs> and so she said, I just laid there and prayed. <laughs> you know, don't come to my house. And uh, the thief did. He got into the next door neighbor's house and stole stole uh, the moto and a couple other things. And, and the next day, it was like the talk of the street. Like, why in the world did the thieves go to this neighbor's house? Why didn't they go to her's house? Because she leaves her house empty a lot, like when she goes to school and stuff and, and, and to visit. And so... It's empty a lot, and she's a single woman living there by herself. Why aren't the thieves getting her? There must be somebody watching her house. And so she had opportunities to talk to folks in the community. Yes, there is somebody watching my house. Let me tell you about him. And he's taking care of me. And so she's had uh, lots of opportunities, and we're really excited with uh, what God is doing uh, there through her and through the team. Because she, although she lives there by herself, there's a team that uh, comes a couple times a week as well. Now, I don't know what's going to happen. Can I get the next slide? I don't know what's going to happen next for Jun or for her community because I haven't heard yet what's happening next, but there was good uh, connections being made in that community. Um, but her story and this community's story is still unfinished. But this is just what we dream for our graduates. We want to see them trained to be followers of Jesus and then go out into these dark areas in the city to bring uh, the light of Jesus into the city.
So first of all, we invite God into our own unfinished journeys, and then God will in turn invite us into the unfinished stories of others. And the third unfinished is we join him in his unfinished mission. I think you could probably figure out what God's unfinished mission is. I get the next slide. It's the great commission that God gave to uh, Jesus gave to his disciples, to all of us, to go and make disciples of all nations. And uh, this is the great unfinished mission that the church is about. And I know that you have already joined in God's unfinished mission through your giving and through your prayers. And um, But I uh, want to mention uh, three specific ways that you can join God's unfinished mission in Cambodia. And these will not be a surprise to you. It's what every missionary shares about, praying, giving, and going. <laughs> um, first, you can join by praying. And I would really encourage you to do that because we really need your prayers. <laughs> as, as you think of it, please be praying for Prasad and his family, his wife that has not yet come to faith, and his son. Pray for Jen too. It's not easy as a single woman being in this community. Um, there's a lot of times that she's called and she's, I'm really scared right now. Will you pray for me? Because there's a fight out on the street. And yeah, so pray for her. Pray for the outreach that's going on in that, that community. And then maybe next term, when next home assignment, when I'm home, I can tell you all about the church that got planted there. Um, but we really do need your prayers. Please pray for the Antioch Bible Institute for our school. Uh, one of our biggest prayers requests is for more students. We uh, Now that we have the building, we have a room for 12 new students a year with, for a total of 24 at one time. Uh, but the most students that we've had has been six. <laughs> now, COVID, of course, has slowed our <laughs> admission. So this year, they actually only have two full-time students. We also have a part-time program that I didn't get into, but so there are other students. But um, uh, yeah, pray pray with us that God would, uh, once this COVID thing settles down, God would send more young people with a heart for the city. And uh, that's really a hard thing to find because <laughs> most Cambodians at heart are country people. And so the idea of going into the city to do ministry is scary. Um, but pray that God will call out more uh, workers because there are certainly lots of opportunities in the city. Uh, for people to come uh, to know Jesus. Oh, and if you want, you can grab a prayer card that's in the back. Um, when I'm in Cambodia, I put updates on the blog. There's a blog site listed there. You can sign up for that if you want. I will say in the United States while I'm here, I don't put as many. I don't know that I've updated it in a month, so sorry for those of you who have been, been following it. So first, you can join God's mission by praying, and secondly, you can join God's mission by giving. And I do want to thank you again for your giving to the Great Commission Fund. Really, it is so important. It's what keeps us there. And because you guys have faithfully given, our team actually got a new international worker couple in uh, August. And we're really excited about them because they are going to be working with one of the Muslim groups in Cambodia. And the CMA does not have any workers uh, in that particular group. And so um, thank you for your giving. That's, that's what your giving is doing. It's helping us move forward. And uh, you, of course, can also join God's mission by coming. Uh, you're more than welcome to come, short-term, long-term. Look, we got lots of room in our building, so come on over. Uh, you can help teach English or computer. Uh, January of this coming year, they're going to be starting an optional third year, which will be teaching the students English and computer. And the reason we're doing that is because in Cambodia, most Christian workers, pastors or Christian workers, uh, um, they, they 
they aren't supported by their churches. If they are, it's very small. And so they need to have skills that they can support themselves and their families. And so English and computer is a great thing in the city. And so we're going to be starting that up in January. And you're welcome to come on over and teach. You're also welcome to come over and join the Vietnamese team if you want. <laughs> come learn Vietnamese with Chun Tu and uh, do outreach there as well. So God is inviting us, all of us, to be a part of his unfinished mission and I thank you for the part that you've already done. And if God is nudging you to do something different, to go deeper with him in one of those areas, please don't ignore his, his voice. I want to finish with uh, just a quote uh, from our founder, A.B. Simpson. And this is actually on one of your posters. And this is what A.B. Simpson, the founder of the CMA, said. We need to finish our unfinished work. We need to do the things that we have thought of doing intended to do, talked about doing, and are abundantly able to do. So let's all join God's unfinished mission today.